0: Okay. What? I don't know. I don't know.
1: Are we continuing the same topic, or should I get a new set of papers? I don't
0: know. <laughs> Am I supposed to know if it's like, I mean, everything's all related in some grand sense.
1: i in the smaller sense, is it related? Not directly. Okay, so a new set of paper. I would take a new chance. Okay last time I took a new piece of paper and I didn't need to. I
0: didn't realize that was so, like, critical.
1: It is. I'm, I'm down to, like, two pieces left. Gotta, it's a good you know thing, it's good thing
0: you're not on a desert island without paper.
1: I just keep forgetting to
0: bring it I already have it. Okay. I have, like,
1: three pieces left. I have in my room. I just keep bringing it
0: in Okay. So, today, we don't really have a lot of time. We have today, we have tomorrow, and we have Monday. And then that's it. Unless you decide to stay, then we have more time. Yay. Um, so we're going to start with something today, and if we finish it today, then great. And if we don't, we always have tomorrow. What we're gonna do is we're going to try and get a little bit of clarity. How much clarity? Little. A little bit, right? Because a lot of clarity is like a big demand, and yeah, I don't want to commit to anything. Um, a little bit of clarity about the idea of God having desires.
2: Finally, yeah,
0: okay. So, first off, before we go forward, we have a problem, which is that none of the traditional Jewish sources are written in English. Right. Why is this a problem? Translation is interpretation. That's right. And it's translation is interpretation. When you translate something, you are interpreting it. And the danger is that words do not simply have one meaning. So when you translate something into a word that you feel really captures the meaning of the original, you are also running the risk of that word that you feel captures the meaning of the original having other meanings as well. Okay. Um, and especially because a living language, especially a multicultural living language, has lots of shades of meaning that change a lot, we run into problems, okay? I will illustrate this with a particular pet peeve of mine before we go forward. No. So, have you ever heard the expression, um, um, someone says, I, I need the new iPhone. I say, you don't need the new iPhone, you want the new iPhone. Right. That makes sense to everybody. Yeah. Okay. So, given that, what would you say the need and want before we go forward? Given given that usage of, of those words, you draw that distinction. Need is something you can't live without. Need is something you can't live without.
2: And I don't know. Want is the mind. desire.
0: And want is something that you desire but could live without. Yes. Okay. All right. So. What you're saying is you need a certain amount of oxygen, a certain amount of water, um, you don't need clothes, no. you don't need shelter. Well, if
1: I'm in the winter and it's snowing,
0: you need to a degree. But then, do, do, now, now, here's the thing. When most people, most of the time in general conversation, we make the statement, oh, you don't really need that, you just want it. Are they, are they really using the word need that restrictively that even clothes don't count? No. no. Okay. So, then maybe we need to refine the difference between need and want. It can't simply be that if you literally would die without it, then um, it counts as need, but otherwise it counts as a want. So, maybe give me another distinction. That that reflects, by the way, how people actually use this word. These these words. What? Maslow's hierarchy? Yeah, thank you. You don't need the best. To your brand, you need to what does need mean here?
1: Could it be like the basic standard of living? Comforts, human
0: comfort. Okay, so this is... this is So the, the reason why you have a hard time with this is because this usage of the word is actually relatively new and it grows out of economics. And so a little bit of understanding economics and this will all become very clear. Everyone's heard of the idea that there's something called supply and demand? Yes. Okay. And the price of things... Um, is affected by the supply, it's affected by the demand, okay, in all sorts of interesting ways, okay. Now, most goods, if the the supply goes down, what happens to the price? Okay, most goods, if the right? It goes up. Most goods, if the price goes up, what happens to the demand? It goes down, okay? This is more complicated, but we'll just go for that, pretend that we don't know any more economics other than that, right? So, using iPhones as an example, if iPhones are fewer supply, they can be sold for more money. If they're sold for more money, fewer people are willing to buy them, yeah? Okay. Is that true with water? No. In other words, well, which part of it isn't true? If there's less water, can you sell the water for more money? Yes. yes. But if there's less, if the water has a higher price, does that mean people are less willing to buy it? No. no. and if they can't afford it, then often what will happen is that they will try extra legal means to get the water, right? And if there are enough people like that, then you like create a revolution. Okay. Well, there is a
2: level on like, if the water is more expensive, people will turn off the water when
0: they're rushing through that is true in other words we can then take what we can then take this and divide it saying it's not just iphones versus water we can talk about certain levels of usages of certain things right Right. so economists need a way to describe these two different types of goods slash services slash usages of things which is what things is the demand elastic that the demand will change if the price gets higher and what things Is the demand fixed because people are not willing to negotiate their use for it even though it has a higher price? Two different kinds of goods. And so economists, okay, so one thing we call, they want certain things, but they need other things. That's where this want-need distinction comes from. And, And which basically means that that's very useful when you're talking about in terms of paying money. If you say, okay, when you say I need it, what you mean to say is that I will, I will try to get it regardless of how expensive it is. So, life-saving medical surgery for your child, people go into debt for that, right? Um, and we'll, you know, let's try this on, on population levels, not talking about individuals. There's always some crazy person. The latest iPhone, people don't go into debt for them. the latest iPhone. Okay, again, there's always the one weirdo but we're not talking about him. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Is that, that clear to you? In other words, now, if you if you then want to abstract a little bit more and say, okay, it's, it's not just paying money, but it's expending any resource, time, emotional energy, whatever it is, right? If your willingness to expend time, emotional energy, resor- whatever resources you have fluctuates, um, depending on how much it's going to cost in those time, money, resources, etc., then we can say that's one kind of thing. And if your willingness to expend those resources is at least relatively limitless then that's another kind of relationship when you want to call one want and one need that's fine and we use that all the time and that works great Okay, here's the problem does God spend resources to accomplish anything? money, time, effort, emotional energy? no so therefore by those meanings of those words does God need anything or want anything? Those are, those, that ceases to be a meaningful question Right? Because the way we're using that word is, just one second, the way we're using these words in this context, I'm not saying that these words are not useful at all, but the way we're using the words in this context is to draw a distinction between two things of value that require an expenditure of resources, one of which if the expenditure of resources is high enough, the value that it has for me, my willingness to pay for it goes down, and the other is that the value it has is independent of how much resources I have to expend. But if you talk about something that you ha- that you don't have to expend resources for, then this kind of speaking about need versus want doesn't make any sense. Okay? And this is the issue with translating, is that inside words are concepts, and inside one word are often many concepts. And even if you found the right word which captures the concept, that word also creates a bunch of other concepts. So if I start speaking about what God wants, and many people have this want-need distinction stuck in their head, which is from economics, a useful way for navigating our lives, then immediately they're thinking, okay, well, god that means God doesn't really want, need it, he just wants it. It's a luxury item for God. But that's not the idea of being conveyed there at all. Okay. So because of that, what I want to do is I want to very slowly build up the concepts rather than worrying about the wording. Because because English is, has so many words with so many different layers of meaning, it's better to really make sure we have a clear idea of the concepts involved and then you can call them whatever you want. Yes?
2: So we would call need versus desire a luxury versus what kind of good?
0: Um, what? So, like, uh, um, ba- basic, basic, I don't know, basic standard basic standards of living standards of living good or sometimes are called necessities versus luxuries. And then there's also interesting things like the that, that, that by the way, distinction itself is not is not just is not just two, because there are actually things. There's there's things like literally that go down all the way to survival. There's things that go down to like basic family relations, like the medical things. And then there are things that are that people treat as needs within a local context, meaning as long as the society as a whole is operating at a certain level, people will relate to it as a need, but if the society, colla- society collapses, it can then be treated as a luxury item. Say electricity. If you live in a functioning society, most people treat electricity as a need. They'll pay whatever the cost is, and I say, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna have electricity, it's too expensive for me. People generally don't do that. But then if you like, live in a country where there, like, electricity is optional, like very few people have it, so, so it's more involved. But for our purposes, I just want to point out that that distinction arises from the fact that people expend resources on things of value. And so then that distinction wouldn't make any sense when it applied to God. So the whole need versus want that we normally speak about just is meaningless to God. It's like asking what color are God's eyes. If he doesn't have eyes and so they don't have a color, then it's a meaningless question. Yes? You have to speak very loud because our neighbors are being very loud. Yes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm just using that as an example to say that when you use words and you're not careful exactly what the concept you're using, you, right, so when someone asks in a class, say, does God want, let's use the idea of God a relationship, with the does God want the relationship with the Jewish people or does he need a relationship with the Jewish people, like, the, built into that question is a misunderstanding, okay? So what I want to do is instead instead of like talking about, with as if we have all the concepts already at our disposal, so we're just gonna throw them out with words, is actually build up the concepts little by little and you can call it whatever you want. Yeah. We're gonna talk about it. Yeah. How do you know that
1: Shem's resources
0: are infinite? I referred I referred to the previous classes that everything in Judaism is based on prophecy. My sources today are prophecy, not my personal prophecy.
1: What? <laughs> in other
0: words, like this, in other words, like this, in other words, like this. Everything I'm saying now I got from books that were written by people who are either a themselves prophetic or b wrote down things that they heard from people who were themselves prophetic. That's the basic standard in Judaism. So while I will attempt, attempt to explain them, make them understandable and coherent, and even try and show how they fit into our larger ways of thinking, at the end of the day, I'm not making an argument that these things are true. I'm saying this is ideas that are Judaism based on that Judaism is divinely revealed religion, okay? So if you have a logical argument that God actually is limited and has to expend resources, um, it might be a compelling argument, it might not be, but it's not material to what this class is about. Okay. So let's start with a very basic question, okay? Which is, God is a cause. I don't mean that as a defi- I don't mean that as a definition. I just mean that as a- God is a cause, and that raises the question: What is the nature of His causing? Let's take a very simple example. There's God, and there's the world. Okay, and the basic relationship is that God caused the world to be, or causes, but we won't get into that nuance right now. And the world is caused by God. Okay. So if a God relative to other things is the cause, and the other things are the cause, we can ask the question: What is the nature of that causality? Before we go into that question, nature of causality, what we need to be clear is what do we mean by a cause? What makes something a cause? Without
2: it, you would not have the result.
0: Okay, that's how, without it, you don't have the result, and with it? You yeah. do. You do. You need both. Right? Otherwise, it's not a otherwise that, that that's a complete cause. Okay? So just a simple example. Um, um, without the sun, there's no daylight, and with the sun, there is daylight. So we can say the sun is a cause for daylight, okay? Now, what we're going to see is that causes work in many, many different ways, and many different kinds of causes, but just to be clear that that is a cause, yeah.
1: But you
2: can have the sun and no daylight if you're opposite from... If you're in, like, I don't know, if you're, like, under a rock, there is sun, there's no daylight that you see meaning like with something that it, it it is still a cause but it doesn't mean that you always experience the result just because the thing is there right yeah. well
0: so this so <laughs> so like in 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 that in that in that case you do have daylight it's just that there's the daylight is on the other side of the rock from you and so you have chosen to be where the daylight isn't or or place where the daylight isn't right you, there is still daylight Right. Even
2: in a right. In an
0: eclipse. You're right. As you are more specific as the result, it could be yeah. that you have to become more complex in how you understand the total complete cause of something. I mean, right.
2: Even if you say daylight as I experience it, I would say daylight as I experience it is caused by the sun, but not only by the sun.
0: Right. If I add as you experience it, then you have to have your parents involved too.
1: Sure.
0: Right, and then that raises the questions so the of who's you your mother and we there. won't go there right now. Well, Everything comes back to your mother. Okay. Yes.
2: My mother. I'll order you my a Okay. Now. Okay. So the
0: the, the 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 first thing the first thing that we the first thing that we want to clarify about the the, the kind of cause. Okay. Um Is is God what's called a, is is the causality what we're gonna call a necessary causality or not necessary? Necessary means,
1: necessary.
0: necessary means that if you have the cause, you must have the effect. It can't be otherwise. So if you use the example of the sun and daylight, if there is the sun, and the sun is functioning as a sun, right? The sun is a sun, right? It's not a black hole or something. Then what do you have? Daylight. You have daylight. You don't necessarily have daylight. What well, you are, that's a separate thing, okay? If you have, um, if, if an item, um, if an item is in the daylight, okay, and it's, an, 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 an it's a solid item, and it's uh, not, trans, not transparent, it's opaque, then what is that item going to cast? A shadow. Yeah. Can you have an item in the daylight without it casting a shadow?
1: No. Yes. What? If you're standing in a shadow. It can't reflect. No, at well, a it's certain still... point on the earth, and there's a certain angle that the sun is at then, shining at noon. Then light. it casts
0: a shadow. It's just no under shadow. the shadows directly underneath it. Still casting a shadow. It's oh, just okay. directly underneath it. P- proof is that pick it up slightly off the ground, and you'll discover the shadows just lying underneath it. Okay. Okay, so these are, nece- these are kinds of necessary causality, okay?
1: What those
0: clouds, in the huh? clouds actually do cast shadows. That's a separate discussion. But then we just say it's not in the daylight, right? An item in the daylight, cast a shadow. Gotcha. Okay, now, if you have a dog and there's food and the dog is hungry, will the dog walk to the food in the same, with, the same kind of, with the same kind of necessity that an item casts a shadow? No, no. right? There's some kind of a thing going on inside the dog such that sometimes it walks to the food and sometimes it doesn't. Right? you could take the exact same scenario, You have a dog that's hungry with food, and it could be that the dog goes to the food, it could be the dog doesn't go to the food, and any number of factors, and that's what causes us to be interested in the psychology of a dog. There's something internal to the dog that sometimes makes it go to the food and sometimes makes it not go to the food. And so the mere presence of a hungry dog in the proximity of the food does not necessarily mean the dog will go to the food and eat it. There could be other things going on inside the dog that play a role there. Let's pretend that we know, for argument's sake. Yeah. That
2: so feels like it jumped a lot in layers of complexity. Mm-hmm. Is there not a middle ground or a less complex
0: thing that is not a necessary cause? Um, so here's the thing. One of the issues with complexity, or one of the issues with necessary not necess- necessary, is that you can't actually observe them, so you have to rely on people's understanding of the world. So I have to pick examples that I think most people will say, are pretty clearly one or the other so we understand the concept and I want to avoid people. People, I do not want to use people as an example until the appropriate time. So if you have another example of something that's n- that, that uh, something that's n- that, that is causal but its mere presence isn't necessarily causal without bringing some other third entity into the picture I'm open to hearing it but I think the most obvious thing is animal behavior. That put an animal in a circumstance it is it is clear that animals do not um, act or interact with things with the same kind of necess- necessary regularity that we think of physical objects acting.
2: What about if you say that, like, if I take this Sharpie and draw with it, like, it probably will draw, but it might not leave a mark if it's dried out?
0: So, that not for that? so the, okay, so, so this gets into an issue which I was hoping to avoid for simplicity's sake, but I'll get into it. <laughs> One could make an argument that everything is actually necessary, and the only times we say things aren't necessary is because we don't appreciate all the complexities that go into it. And so if you can make an argument that, that the dog, um, it necessarily will or won't go, it's just that the, there's so many different factors that go into the dog that you as a human being can't predict it, so it feels not necessary. And then in which case, you're saying the same thing about the marker, which is that the, the marker either necessarily will or will not be able to write, but you, before you're writing with it, just don't know, and so it's an issue of ignorance. So one, There are schools of thought that say that really everything, all causality is necessary. If, this, if A causes B, then A necessarily causes B, um, and if it doesn't necessarily cause B, then A is never the cause. It's A plus something else causes B. Um, and the only time where it seems like it's sometimes one, sometimes the other is because we don't really know. Now. For reasons that I don't want to get into at the moment, Judaism and also just basic human intuition does not follow that. We tend to think that there are kinds of causalities generally associated with living beings where there is some kind of an internal issue at play that the same dog could or could not, this idea of possibility, either may or may not choose to walk to the food or not walk to the food. I don't want to get into the issue of grand questions of free will, just the very simple fact that the dog... Sometimes does and sometimes doesn't. And that's not based on factors external to the dog. So the dog may do that, may not do that. Right? So we call this, if the fancy word for this is called contingency. It could be or could not be. And I well, just want to say, we live our lives with this distinction, by the way. Okay? Um, there's a very famous ancient riddle. Um, not a joke, it's a riddle, which goes like this. If a sea battle happened yesterday... That's Ancient world, don't ask me why they picked a sea battle. If a sea battle happened yes, yesterday, then you can say, as of now, it's necessary that it had happened. Right? You can work backwards it happened, work at all the causal things and figure out exactly why that sea battle happened. Right? So it had to happen. However, no one says it's necessary that a sea battle is going to happen tomorrow. Right? We all have the idea that it could or could not happen. It's contingent. So there's this weird thing that we think of the past as necessary you look for exactly what caused something to be when we think about the future we think about things as being right the fancy word there's contingent how is that a riddle it's a riddle why is that the case like how does how do you make sense of that like it's a <laughs> no, it's not, a, it's not it's like, like no, what what, no what, what what is going on there is it is it a feature of human cognition is it a feature of language is it something metaphysical like i'm not getting into how that's dealt with Um, This, by the way, for those of you who are like really into like asking questions that you think are profound about how could God know the future and we still have free will? That question has nothing to do with God. It's just basically a a restating the seed battle problem with putting God into it. But you can be an atheist, you still have the same problem, which is that the way we view the past is that every event was the necessary outcome of the causal factors. And the way we view the future is that things are contingent. They may or not might be. How do you resolve that seeming contradiction? You don't need to be a believer in God to have that problem. Um, that's why all of the great theologians of all the major world religions always found that question kind of funny because it's got nothing to do with God and just got to do with necessity and contingency. Anyway, that was a, that was a parenthetical. Okay, so getting back to the thing. Some things are necessary, some things are contingent. Yes? But in the case with the dog...
1: what does to say that the cause you don't know, just add in the fact that the dog has an ulcer as part of the cause, like.
0: Nothing to say. That. I'm not making. I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not making. I'm not making an argument that that is the case. I'm saying that that is seems to how be how most people, at least intuitively, categorize that.
1: So you just like arbitrarily choose like the things we think are causes.
0: Yeah. And then. Like, this is I mean this is this is goes back to what I, class I gave about different kinds of knowledge is that causality is a rational kind of knowledge. It's not something you can empirically observe. And so you at the end of the day you really are just working off of people's intuitions. Um, and I'm trying to so we have this category. Again, some people really believe that everything is necessary and there really is nothing that's contingent and but most people, at least the way they live their lives, don't seem to be operating on that. They they do think that some things may or may not be, could or could not be. And even if you have the exact you know, the the the, the same dog in the same situation. Sometimes he'll go for the food, and sometimes he won't. Um, Okay. Now, even if you disagree about the dog, you still understand that that is how at least some people conceive of the dog and so that gives us that concept. Okay, yeah.
2: Do we say that Hashem is above statistics and that we have correlation not equaling causation?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure what you mean by that.
2: That just because statistically things are correlated doesn't mean that one caused the other so that Hashem so that just because something is what it is doesn't mean that Hashem did it
0: I'm not sure what you're asking like I mean in the grand sense Hashem does everything everything that happens is because of Hashem because Hashem creates the universe and so in as much as if you take the causality all the way back the creator of the universe is in some sense the cause of everything so then everything is a necessary cause what's that like like <laughs> Right, like you, know, if I do something, but I exist because of God, then in some sense, God is somehow causally involved in everything. That's why I said God is a, God is a cause. Okay, so here's the question: Is the way that God causes things necessary or contingent? In other words, if there is God, doesn't that mean that God necessarily causes? Or could there be God sometimes causing and sometimes not causing? That's the question. So is God like the sun, and then the things he causes are like the light that comes off the sun. So you have the sun, you have the light. And if you don't have a light, that means there's no sun around. Or is it like the dog, where sometimes the dog goes to the food, and sometimes the dog doesn't go to the food, and there's no outside thing making the difference. There's something internal to the dog that makes the difference. So which one is it? Well, what? The first
1: one. Well, if you, that if you ha-
0: So the question is like this. So we're using, 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 using the existence of the universe as the thing that God caused for now. We're going to get into other things that God causes. But the existence of the universe. Is it the case that if you have God, therefore there's a physical universe? Does that mean? Or is it the case that oh, no. you could have God without a physical universe? You could have God with a physical universe. Mm-hmm. It happens to be well, there is a physical universe, but God could have just as easily had it without a physical universe. What is
2: a not physical yeah. universe? I just
0: just okay. no, 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 just God. In other words, do we, are there are two options, God and no physical universe, meaning or God and a physical universe. Yes. Just God or God. Are those two equally viable options? Yes. If you say that those are two equally viable options, you say the way God is causing things is contingent, meaning it is not the case that if you have God, therefore you have a universe. There's God. And for lack of words, sometimes causes there to be a physical universe and sometimes doesn't. There doesn't need to be a
1: physical unit. That's
0: right. Yeah, but I can just not true. Okay. I'm so ne- okay. So now, one second. once we say it's contingent, then we have to ask a second question. Okay? And then we have to ask a second question. Okay? Which is, is it accidental? And I want to be clear what I mean by the term accidental here. Accidental means. Um, that in terms of a value, it's irrelevant. So let me give you an example. Okay? I take this cup, okay? and I put this cup down here. Of what value is it that the cup is here as opposed to being over there? Does that have any significant value difference between those two scenarios that you can conceive of? Yeah. So we're going to call that accidental. Now, you'll notice I intentionally put it down here, right? So I don't mean accidental in the sense of I didn't intend I made a mistake. What I'm saying is it does not make a difference.
2: Mean
0: arbitrary? Okay, you can use whatever word you want. Um, you're saying there's no reason
2: you're using accidental. I'm using
0: accidental because, because that tends to be if you actually start looking up things that are translated, the the jargon that used that gets used is accidental. Okay. okay. I feel like the what? In Hebrew is. What? The Hebrew is mikra. Hebrew is mikra. Um, the the if you take uh, a if you take a philosophy course, simple. no. If you take a philosophy cla- class, they will talk about something called the accidental qualities and accidental events and accidental this. And they don't mean accident in the general way that most everyday people use the word accident. Mm-hmm. And you're right. In this sense, accidental has this, co- this sense of being arbitrary. It's irrelevant. Right.
2: It feels like, to me, the difference between accidental and arbitrary, where I would think of Mikra and like the whole thing with Val- Milam versus Moshe, like that whole thing I think of as like being about arbitrariness. Versus accidental has an added layer of this, I didn't, I, I, like, it's not I, that I, I didn't care how it happened, I didn't want it
0: to happen. Right, so this is why I said I don't want to get into the words. Because if, you, if, you if, if you're going to, depending on who you're talking to, if you're going to talk to people who have actually like, read f- philosophical literature or translations done by professors of Jewish sources, you're going to see the word accidental. Okay. If you're going to talk to people on the street who tend to use everyday speech, you will tend to use the word arbitrary or sometimes even random. Which I think is also... And that's why I don't want to... I, that's why I want to use examples. You can call it whatever you want. Okay, I'm just... So you want to call it arbitrary, accidental, random. But the idea is it's not that it's not an awareness. It's simply if I pick the cup up and I put it here or I put it here or I put it here or I put it here at the end of the day, is there any difference in the value that that has? No. no. Okay. Mem you spell So you would define accident like
1: lacking purpose?
0: Right, The op- right. so the opposite of this is purposeful, or meaningful, or valuable. You can add any of those words you get, right? So just like we have necessary versus contingent, we also have accidental, arbitrary, random, versus meaningful, purposeful, valuable.
1: Are
0: we so these causes or actions? These, well, well, an action is a kind of a cause. Like if I do something, I'm causing that action to take place. How can it
2: be purposeful with accidental is still purposeful?
0: No, those are the opposite. so so that's so again. I don't care what word you call it. So okay. Okay? If I put the cup, let's take an example. So I put the cup here, I put the cup here, I put the cup here. It, it really doesn't matter, right? Okay? But the fact that I put the cup on the table versus say putting it here. That makes a difference, right? Okay. So we want to be able to so we're gonna call one kind of one kind of thing, we're gonna call that an accidental, or arbitrary, or random. We'll call the other kind purposeful, meaningful, valuable. What, again, I don't care what word you use. There's a bunch of different meanings to all to words, mm-hmm. okay? So when I put the coffee in the cup, as opposed to on the counter, that would be what kind of a thing? Intent.
1: Purposeful.
0: Purposeful, meaningful, right? If I put the coffee in this cup versus putting it in the other pl- paper cup that was sitting right next to it. Accidental. Lack
1: of purpose.
0: Accidental, right? Okay. So now, when God causes things, is his causing to have this accidental, arbitrary kind of a mode to it? Or is it purposeful, um, meaningful, valuable? Which one? Okay. Well, so Judaism says it's very clearly going to be Purposeful. purposeful, meaningful. Because you can't exactly have religion... Where, like, you're supposed to do this and not do that. If the, you know, like the very idea that there are normative things, thou shalt and thou shalt not, means that there is some kind of a, you know, this matters and this thing is significant that it be this way, not be that way. Okay. So, what we now I have to say is like this when God causes things, right, or, the, or, you know, to take it very simply, if there is no world, does that have some sort of difference than there being a world? Does it make a difference whether there is or isn't a world? When God created a world, did it make a difference whether he did or didn't do it? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, if, if we say it makes no difference, it if we say it makes no difference, then how we act in the world, it? would it make a difference? An right? The, if, how you treat the thing that doesn't matter itself should not matter. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If I have, let's say this is cruel, let's say there's a person and we all conclude that this person's life doesn't matter. God forbid, but let's, let's, as a thought experiment, then how we treat that person, does that matter? No. So if you say how you act in the world matters, right? Thou shalt this versus thou shalt not that, you know, eat matzah, don't eat pork, keep Shabbos, don't kill people, right? If those kinds of things matter, then there has to be, like, the thing that you're acting in, the world itself has to, in some sense, matter, have significance, have, be purposeful, whatever word you want to use. So the idea that there is religion has built in it the idea that God causes things in a way that He is imbuing those things with some kind of purpose, value, meaning, as opposed to the arbitrary kind of causality. Maybe it's
1: purposeful only to us, and not to
0: God. That's fine. I know I'm just dealing with a black and white. I'm not getting into points of reference right now. Yeah.
1: why do you say there's no difference pre-creation because we said that we don't need
0: creation this is the issue with words okay so now if I can have a marker that that shows up nicely if there's a black marker that would be the best what? we need Godhood. I'm going to avoid the word need as much as possible not helpful Maya,
1: okay, <laughs>
0: okay.
1: <laughs> if oh. yes. you like, how
0: spell necessary?
2: Honestly, you're close. Any
0: C,
1: <laughs> yes. Um, Airway.
0: Yeah. I ain't spelled this so poorly that even spell check can't know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. We okay, okay. knew what you meant. <laughs> right, right,
1: right, right. What <laughs> you trying, <laughs> trying to spell? Yeah.
2: Empty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's
1: <there's> a Okay. Okay. She's also my spelling. you need
2: voice to text on the board.
1: Kind of right.
0: Okay. We all need that. Okay. Oh, I love diagrams. Okay. So. Items casting shadows, sun shining light. Those things are necessary. Meaning, if you have the cause, you necessarily have the effect. Then you have things that are contingent, like most people's view of dog going to eat food. Just because you have the dog and you have the food does not necessarily mean that the dog will eat the food. Okay? Now, that's one issue. There is a different issue, which... Well, if you want, we'll use this word. Arbitraire.
2: Just second R. another
0: R in there. Yeah. And what word would you like to use for the other concept?
1: Meaningful. Meaningful.
0: Meaningful. Right. So again, when you put a cup down on the table, the exact location is arbitrary. The fact you put your coffee in the cup and not pouring it directly on the table, that was mm. meaningful.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It's good that
0: I don't have any like ego stakes in my... I would be very offended Okay Now What I want you to understand is That these are two different distinctions being made Which means theoretically How many different kinds of causality could you have now?
1: Four
0: Four You could have something which is necessary And arbitrary
1: It's like a Punnett square I
0: love it You could have something which is contingent But arbitrary So let's rinse this example When I put my cup down on the table Right. It wasn't necessary that I put it exactly where I put it, so it's contingent, and it also wasn't meaningful, right? So it would go there. The cup, the cup down on the table, goes there, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, when the wind blows, okay, and it pa- and the wind blows just strong enough to blow a to blow, I don't know, a piece of paper. And it moves the piece of paper, right? Given the laws of physics, as we understand them, if the wind is strong enough, the piece of paper moves. That's necessary, right? And if this piece of paper is blowing, it's just some tra- piece of paper that's trash in the middle of a place where there's a bunch of trash, we would say that that movement is particularly meaningful or not. We're not. So that's necessary, but also, obviously, right, the paper blown this way, the paper blown that way, it wouldn't really make a difference. Yeah. Okay. And then we could do the same thing and say meaningful things. Okay. What?
1: The
2: tree in the sea. I didn't hear what you said. And if a tree falls
0: on the ground or falls on a car, that makes a difference. Yeah. If the wind is strong enough to knock over a tree onto a person's car,
2: <laughs>
0: so that's, that's pretty... At least the person, that, that's a meaningful kind of a thing, right?
2: Wait, but it's arbitrary that it fell in that...
0: It's not arbitrary that it is. Considering the laws of physics as we understand them to be... On they, the car? They, well, if the car if the car was already there and the tree is here and then the wind goes given all of those facts what you're, what you're getting at which is true which is that establishing necessary versus continued arbitrary versus meaningful is a matter of scope which means if you zoom in or out these will change so if I look specifically at that event at the situation two minutes before the well if the car is here and the tree is here and the tornado comes this way, well then, it's
1: gonna, yeah. right.
0: but then you could say, well if I zoom out and look at the whole thing over the span of like an hour where the car didn't need to be parked there, mm-hmm. right, and that is an important thing is that although these are very distinct concepts, how you wield them does depend on the level of analysis. Zoom in, zoom out, it starts to change, right? The car being crushed is meaningful, but only if you zoom in to the car and the owner is one thing. If you zoom in just to the metal of the car, and just look at that, what does it matter if the metal of the car is crushed? Mm -hmm. It's only when you look at the metal of the car in the role that it plays in the life of the person who drives the car. Yeah?
2: So when we talk about the creation of the world as being something purposeful or necessary, is it just The world or is it like the entire universe as a whole and if they can be separated could you say that like the creation of the world specifically is necessary and meaningful but the creation of the universe is either necessary and arbitrary or contingent or meaningful in that it doesn't have the same sort of weight that like our world you in. could,
0: but that's, that, that, that question requires us to be several steps ahead of where we are right now. Okay. Yes? Um, is it, would you say that these things
2: are a matter of perspective, like the story of the ball of, that the leaf falling is only because you look at it from that description...
0: I mean, I just said it's bad in perspective. I think most of us would would say that the that the the metal of a car being crushed is only meaningful if you take it to perspective of the owner, <laughs> right? right? So I would say that yes. So
2: is it to look for the purpose in something? I didn't know.
0: No, now you're getting now you're getting jumping far far ahead. Okay. I want to deal with something just more basic. When we say that God is a cause, okay, is God which kind of cause is God? Is God We have four possibilities. Now, what I want to do is talk about God rather than the thing that he caused. And I'll explain to you why, why I want to do that. When you say that something causes in a necessary manner, you're saying something very specific about it. What are you saying? If you're saying, for instance, that the sun causes light, if there's a sun, then there's light, There's no sun. If there's, if there's no light, that means there's no sun there. If you're saying that, what are you saying about the sun? Other than the fact that, it causes light? What, what else are you saying about the sun? It's limited. It's, it's limited, right? It's, it has something that constrains it.
1: Because the
0: sun can't be in a different state or in a different mode or in a different way. Right? That's what gives most of us the sense that the dog should be viewed as contingent because we can think of the dog being in one state or another state, being wanting this or desiring that or all sorts of other things. Right? So when you think of something being fixed and, and limited to one way and only one way, then its causality tends to be viewed more as a necessary thing. When you think of something being able to have that flexibility, it's thought to be more contingent. So now does it make sense that God is a limited being or a flexible being? You notice I'm using flexible as the opposite of limited. Because when you hear the word unlimited, some people just think very big. But if I can only give one class, what kind of a teacher am I? If I can give many different kinds of classes, then I am a more Flexible. flexible kind of teacher. So which kind of a cause is God? Is he a more flexible cause, so for his contingent, what he causes? Or is he more limited and therefore what he causes is necessary? So God is going to fit in this column. right? God being unlimited, God being flexible, God not being bound, would kind of make, would, would make yeah. us think of God causing things that He might cause, He might not cause. It's, 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 you can't know ahead of time. Right. Now, what about God causing in an arbitrary way versus a meaningful way? Well, if something causes in an arbitrary way, what does that say about it? There's.
1: It doesn't, make
0: a it doesn't make a difference. So if it doesn't make a difference, why is it causing? It? Random. Can someone turn off
2: their phone? It's
0: in okay. If it doesn't make a difference, then why is it causing? it?
1: Well,
0: well, so it's run through. some... what are some examples of things that are arbitrary?
1: Well,
0: and arbitrary. Well, some things are Some things are arbitrary, but are contingent, right? God is going to be over here. So we cross that God can't be, God doesn't cause in a necessary way, why can't God cause in an arbitrary way? Why oh, doesn't that make any sense? Because you do. don't
1: eat well, be pork. He's so happy to watch what they are. Because
0: he doesn't do things for a reason. So
1: they rely on of nature. The You're just saying the same thing. What? He relies on laws of nature. Because he doesn't do something.
0: You're just saying the same thing. Give me an example of something that is arbitrary. It's contingent, but arbitrary.
1: You don't have to
0: guess because I gave you an example. Where in the cup. Where I set down the cup. Now, why did I set down the cup in that specific place? Why is that important? So it's not important. It could have been in another place, right? Okay. Why did I set down the cup at all?
1: Because you want no longer want to get the Okay. So it
0: made a difference to me whether it was holding or whether I would set it down, right? If you go through every example of a contingent cause that's arbitrary, you'll see that that is always a secondary aspect of something that is meaningful. So, for instance, putting down the cup was meaningful, but where exactly I put down the cup was Not
1: meaningful.
0: arbitrary, which means every time you have an arbitrary okay. cause, it's really just a secondary quality to a more
1: meaningful. meaningful
0: cause. Now, that's when we talk about things that are contingent. You go through things where it could have been this way, it could have been that. way, say, okay, but, but okay, so then, and it doesn't matter which way it was. You'll realize that it doesn't matter which way it was on some level of detail. But if you zoom out a little bit more, you say, well, there was some more fundamental thing. In this case, care about putting down the cup. Okay. Um, let's run through a few other examples. If you paint your house, and you're like me, does it matter what color you paint it? Nope. nope. Yes, it does. <laughs> if you paint it puke green, that's not okay. <laughs> In the realm of normal house what colors. Right? Oh, in the realm of normal house colors, does not matter what color you paint it. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So we're talking about me. <laughs> why? Because
1: you like normal house colors. Why? Because you don't like to have an ugly house.
0: No, nah, I don't care if I an ugly house. You can stare at Cube to Green to all the time. Because the re- there's a reason why. I, what? <laughs> no, because, because most of the ugly house colors actually have adverse effects on your, on your well-being and being in the house. Like if you're in a room that's puke green,
1: you're gonna
0: feel- it just feels... Bright
1: red yeah. makes you hungry.
0: Yeah, so therefore, there's a reason... So there's just facts about human psychology, and since I would prefer to be in a certain kind of a state of mind when I'm at home, I want a color that's conducive to that. Okay, that's meaningful, right? But then, when I go the next step of those colors, which one should it be? Do I really care? And we're talking about me. No. Nope. No. Now, could someone else care? Yes. But here's the thing: every time you find what somebody what's what's arbitrary, the fact that it's the there's something that's under, that's, that's underlying it that is actually of importance. In other words, the arbitrary is about some detail of some other more fundamental thing. Um, does it matter what color marker I use when I write on the board? Do
1: you like the no. Oh, yeah, as yeah, long as you can see. I asked
0: for black. Why did I ask for black? I said, by the way. This was thought out ahead of time. Why?
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the most the dark.
0: Contrast, contrast right? Because I want contrast. So is it that I, as far as I'm concerned, black is arbitrary. The thing that's meaningful is? Contrast. And it happens to be. That was the best thing right now. But if two or three markers would be, have, show, have the equal amount of contrast, then it really would be completely arbitrary. I still would have to pick one because like, if I don't pick a marker, nothing good on the board. Okay. Um, have you ever heard that quantum mechanics is arbitrary? Yes. Yes. Okay, or random. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was just so, bringing it up. So they actually, so again, here this is one of those things that's slightly misleading. There's when quantum, when something happens called the collapse of a wave function. Mm-hmm. That is not arbitrary at all. The 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 location and velocity of the thing that happened of the thing that of the thing that resolves is arbitrary. So there's an element of arbitrary in a larger thing that's actually not arbitrary. And as you continue to look at arbitrary things, you always see that arbitrary is in a limited subset. It's never when you look at the thing more holistically, you never say that the whole thing is arbitrary. And the larger reason for that, the larger reason why the whole thing when you look at it holistically is not arbitrary, is because if the thing was arbitrary in its entirety. What would happen? We wouldn't
1: have a definition
0: for it. Yeah, there would be no way. The very fact that you're talking about something coherent means that there's some larger way of making sense of things, a larger way of categorizing things, which means you're employing things that are, you're employing meaningful concepts. So if it is intelligible, it is not entirely arbitrary, it is only partially arbitrary. It's meaningful with some element that's arbitrary. Okay, I'll give you an example of a law. Why is why is um why is the speed limit on Israeli highways, um, 120 kilometers? I don't know if it is, but let's just say it is. I think it is. I don't drive, but let's say it is. Or for those of you who are in America, why why is why why is the why is the why is it six why is the speed limit 65 on a highway or, whatever it is.
1: Even number,
0: the rather than 64. Right, so, so the thing is, in other words, if we look at, there's a reason why the speed limit is around what it is, right. because there's a certain range where given the, given the road and the kind of traffic, that kind of driving is understood to be safe, and higher than that is not considered to be safe, right? But then, why is it 65 as opposed to 66? Or for that matter, maybe even sixty-five as opposed to seventy, often has really nothing to do with that, right? And the law could have just as easily been served if it was a few miles or kilometers faster or slower.
1: Doesn't that have to do with, though. Like if it's if it was seventy, then people would go seventy-five, and if it, you put it sixty-five. Then but it you can always
0: 70. find a range at which it really doesn't make a difference. That's my point. I I, I don't know enough about the statistics of driving to know what that range is. If it's a five-mile range or a three-mile range. And then because of like other factors, we like numbers that end in 0 and 5. But if you, if you were Babylonian and you worked up a tw- base 12 system, then that would be ridiculous. Why would you use 5? Five? 5 is the most awkward number in existence. Yeah, you would want something that ends in a 3 or a 4 or, or a 6. Okay. But anyway, do you see what I'm saying? Like, like, It's true that some things are arbitrary, but the totality is never arbitrary. Right? In fact... Everybody who's ever applied their mind to understand anything is making the following assumption, which is there is some underlying way of making meaningful sense of things. That there is some rhyme or reason to why it is this way as opposed to being that way. That way.
2: Except for like absurdists.
0: No, even absurdists do that. It's just a
2: different thing. It's
0: just a different thing. They, they've created a concept called absurdity. <laughs> yeah. That's nihilists. nihilists.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So do
0: they have a sense everything What? Well, well, what I always find is very interesting is that, that the, 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 the nihilists tend to, be, tend to go into some kind of a depression. Because the fact that nothing matters really bothers them. Mm-hmm. Huh. Hmm. So I guess what that tells me is that things matter. And the inability to figure out what it is exactly that matters and why things matter is itself a matter of significance. Yeah. So I guess nihilists are certainly kind of the greatest proof that there is some kind of sense of, at least in how we make sense of things. So if we're gonna talk about causality, you can't have the total picture be arbitrary. You can have some elements be arbitrary. Now, if we're talking about God, and God is the, the initial cause of anything, so he's the one that's causing the picture in its entirety, can we say that God is causing everything in a purely arbitrary manner? No. Maybe some things are arbitrary, but not the totality of it. At the core, it can't be arbitrary. Yeah. Isn't it maybe that God is making
2: everything arbitrary, but that just makes us deeply uncomfortable because we don't like to think that our existence is arbitrary, but like maybe it
0: is. No, because then what you're doing is, this is what you're doing is you're using words that don't mean. What you then you could say it like this, and this is a fair thing: is maybe God is something I can't understand, <laughs> and I can stop this exercise. That's what you're saying. No, if you take what you're saying really seriously, maybe God is something that our minds don't have any way of relating to. And the way God causes is nothing more our minds can relate to, and just at that point we should like end class and move on. Wait,
2: why can't God creating? I'm not gonna make it personal. Okay. I'm gonna regret that. Okay. But why can't God creating us? like be like you putting down a possible. cup. That makes us very uncomfortable to think that we are all... Oh like no, it. I didn't
0: talk about you. I didn't talk about you. I'm talking there's two different issues here. There's two different issues. Whether you're significant, whether your life is meaningful or your life is arbitrary is not what I'm asking right now. I'm saying whether the totality of what God causes is arbitrary. When, yeah. we, thi- when we, we think when we think we love
1: you, of, Nora. <laughs> in
0: other words, when we when we when we think of causality yeah. you the arbitrariness is only in certain details, never in the whole picture. That's what I'm saying. So, if God is the cause of the whole picture, God cannot be operating in an arbitrary manner. I don't mean to say that it necessarily follows from there that your life is meaningful. Now, if I then throw in, if I then throw in Judaism, which does say that human action is meaningful, then I would have to say that even your life is not arbitrary.
2: Okay,
0: so to use a little Venn diagram. No,
1: congrats. To go 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 okay,
0: this is an important <laughs> Venn diagram. The whole premise of this class is we have God, we have our minds, and we have the Torah. If we want to say that God is outside what our minds can understand, then is there any point in having this class? No. No. So we obviously have to operate in this space. And because this is Judaism, it has to be the part of our minds that can understand something about God that also fits according to what the Torah says. So the whole class is operating that we can understand God, that's why we're having class, and we're trying to understand God as understood by? The Torah. Given that God, given that God has understood by our minds, God can't be causing everything arbitrarily. 'Cause our minds would understand total causality is arbitrary. If you the causality of the whole cannot has some sort of meaning to it. That's how our minds work. So if our that's just false, then we should just end the class and move on. God, if we're having the What should
1: we do in your you end the class and move on? And say
0: like I don't know, but that's not my responsibility. Right.
1: Okay.
0: And since this class is Judaism, then it has to be as is taught by Judaism, since Judaism says that the actions of individual people matters. So then the arbitrariness Sorry, the meaningfulness is, ex- is extended at least down to the level of people, or at least some people. That's pretty clearly the message in the Torah, that the actions of people matter. Okay, so given that... Where's my eraser? Given that, God's causality has to fit. It is meaningful and yet contingent.
1: Everything, there's no arbitrary
0: No, I didn't say there's no arbitrary, but the initial basis of the cause. So we could say that God created your existence and that's meaningful, but the fact that you have whatever color eyes you have, God doesn't care, but you have to have an eye color, so you just like, okay, I don't know, we'll give you whatever color eyes you have and that's it. I'm not saying every detail, but the the primary mode of God causing things to be is that he doesn't have to cause it, it's contingent, and yet it is meaningful. Now, yeah.
2: Uh, so, when you're saying that God's creation is contingent and meaningful, are you, sorry to like yeah. kind of go back, but are you talking about just.
0: I'm not answering that right. I'm talking about, here's the thing. I want there's God, there's stuff. Yeah. There's an arrow, that's a causality. I'm talking about this part. Okay. When you go from God to causing anything, is God necessarily causing or contingently causing? Is God, is that causing, have a, is that have a meaningful modality to it or is it completely arbitrary? It's meaningful. Yeah. Now, when you get down to the stuff, does it mean all the stuff is meaningful? No. no. Which stuff is or isn't meaningful? That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the causality that stems from God, not about the world.
2: So it's just in God's creation of, of everything. Of everything.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Now, Yes.
2: Can we? Can we say that some things or some people who seem arbitrary but are not in their totality is because of um, their essence in being a part of God?
0: You could, but that's not relevant to what I'm talking about right now. Okay. I, don't, I know it's very interesting to talk about what things in our lives are meaningful, but that's really not the topic of the class. The topic of the class is God desiring or wanting. Okay, now. Now we're going to throw people into this. Oh, you are a cause of all sorts of things. Yes. Added heat in this room. Yeah, you didn't think about that, did you? you
1: on the chairs.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, are there things that you are a cause of that relative to you are contingent? Meaning you don't have to cause them. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't and those things are meaningful to you yeah can you give me an example it doesn't have to be deeply meaningful just not arbitrary
2: me talking right
0: now okay that's right like
1: sleeping for a certain amount
0: of time depending on the situation most people probably yeah i mean certain people in their certain illnesses (laughs) i would say that no but yeah
1: eating chocolate
0: eating chocolate Okay, well, there is, there is, there, there is, there is a, there is a huge difference between eating chocolate and eating chocolate. It's a, it's a profound distinction that, 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 that um, explains a lot of modern history. But anyway. Um,
2: I see, it sounds it sounded very different. <laughs> okay. I see, I heard your difference.
0: What? <laughs> Imitating accents counts. In fact, most of the stuff that we do, that we think of ourselves as doing would fit into that category. Because think about it. Most of the stuff that we do, we, can, we, we sometimes do and we sometimes don't. Right? Contingent. And when we do it, it's usually because we have something that is meaningful or valuable about it, right? That's why if we step on someone's toe, right? right? Um, unless we're really angry with them, we usually don't think of that as something I did. I put my foot down, I did that, but I didn't mean to, the stepping on the toe wasn't something I did. It, it, your foot happened to be there and I didn't see it. And, like, and we, we, we kind of make that mental differentiation. Okay. Okay. Now. Um so those kinds of things that we do, okay? Um so actions that we take, acquiring things, making friendships, talking to people, blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff, um, would you say that those are things that we and I'm just gonna use regular everyday English words, are those things that we want to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Are those things that we desire to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Are those things that we choose to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not saying that those words are always going to be appropriate, but are they sometimes appropriate? Yes. Okay. Are those things that, if you want to be all fancy, we will to do? Nobody speaks like that anymore.
1: Yes. Okay. So is this the difference
0: you're saying between grief? Okay. Okay. Um, are those... Thing, are the, are, are those so, so, what you'll notice is that we start applying words that, that, that capture this notion of contingent meaningful causality in a way that we can personally relate to, we use words like want, desire, choose, right? So if I want a word to convey the fact that when God causes things, it's not that he necessarily must cause it, and it is that that, ca- that what he's causing, it has some sort of meaning and value imbued in it, then I might borrow the words that describe my doing that and apply them to God. So I might say that God chooses to do something or desires something or wants something. But what I mean by those words is simply that God caused something to be the case and it wasn't necessary, it was contingent, and it was meaningful and not arbitrary. Do I mean anything more than that? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. <laughs> Okay. And so this is the first step in this discussion Is that on a very basic level Whenever we use the words like The will of God, desire of God, choice of God All we mean to say is that God has caused something to be the case And the fact that it, he caused it to be the case Was not necessary God, There's nothing that compels God to do it But it is meaningful that it is the case okay. Should we then project all other aspects Of our human psychology onto God? No, yeah. no. So, we're using these words in a very borrowed sense. So, if you then ask a follow up question, well, like, well, well, you know, when I desire something, that's usually because of X, Y, and Z. So, then how did the X, Y, and Z fit with God? So, for instance, if I desire something as a human being, usually what is the case? Why do I desire it? Because don't have it. Because I have a lack of it. I want to differentiate between not having and a lack. What is the difference between not having and a lack? A lack, you
1: already have a concept
0: of it? I do not have. Um, I do not have, let's think of something maybe funny. I don't have cancer. That's funny. That's so funny. I think of it God. as funny. I don't have cancer. No, explain what you want. Right. <laughs> now, would you say I have a lack of cancer? No. I'm, but you. Could. Yes. yes? I'm lacking cancer?
1: I know. Lack no. something. No, I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> lacking it.
0: No, nope, no, nope, I'm not lacking it at all. Why not?
1: okay,
0: but this this actually is a little bit let's let's avoid the word want for a 2nd we We'll go back to the word want. The word want is actually a very powerful Desire. word in English. What? Cancer is Right. In other words, there's there's the there's this sense, this is the but, thing, is there's a sense of ought to be. I ought to be in a certain way. You want to call it whole, normal, complete. A whole, normal, complete human being has cancer or does not have cancer does not have cancer So if a so if the way I ought to be doesn't have something, then not having the thing is not a lack. What makes it a lack? When I ought to have it and I don't. So,
1: well, can you have a desire for something you don't ought to have?
0: Human beings are complicated, so the technical answer to that is yes and no. Um, and what I mean to say is like this, because people have different layers of sense of what they ought to be, we can have something that we are lacking in one sense of what we ought to be, but in another sense what we ought to be is not the case. Um, for instance, some of us have the sense that we ought to be the most powerful person in the universe. And therefore when we discover that there are things that we are incapable of making happen, such as getting people to do what we want them to do by our mere will, um, we feel lacking and frustration but then there's another side of us which realizes that's not actually how we ought to be. And so we actually feel somewhat guilty about this desire to try and control other people. But that's because of the complexities of human beings. But if you just make it simple and limit it, for any particular notion of what something ought to be, then you can say, well, what is it lacking? What is it not lacking? Trees are not lacking smartphones. People are not lacking cancer. Dogs are not lacking academic degrees. Number four is not lacking grandparents. That's right. <laughs> those are all, right? And they, but they all don't have those things, right? So lacking starts off with a more basic notion, which is something ought to be the case, right? Something ought to be, and yet it isn't. That's a lack. And now if something ought to be and it isn't, we then think of that usually, that usually is a factor or the co- or something that creates this thing of desiring to then bring about the fact that I'm not lacking it. So if I'm lacking food to go get the food and eat the food, if I'm lacking friends to go make some friends, if I'm lacking money to go earn some money or steal some money, as the case might be, depending on who you're talking about. Okay. Now, is there a particular way that God ought to be? At least on... Uh, superficially, if you think about it. Does God, is there, God ought to be this way or ought to be that way? No. So, therefore, does it make sense to think of God as lacking? No. Uh, superficial, not really. And therefore, does it make sense to think of God desiring in a way that's analogous to our desiring? No. no. But is the, there, is, there is some overlap, which is that, nonetheless, God causes in a way which is contingent and meaningful. And we... Engage in behaviors and bring things about in a way that's contingent and meaningful and usually by us That's motivated by an awareness of what we're lacking and by God. It's not So you have to be very careful what you mean by when you say God wants something if what you mean is God is Bringing something about that he doesn't have to bring about but is nonetheless meaningful that is brought about and that's what you mean by want Then good, but if you say God was lacking something and that motivated him to bring it about Well, then that doesn't make a lot of sense Okay, now what's interesting about the word want, there's a song in English, We Want Mashiach Now. Has anyone heard of this song? Mm.
1: Okay,
0: so the Rebbe, in a, in, a, in a talk of his, once explained why the song should be sung in English and not in Hebrew. Because there is no word for want in Hebrew. What,
1: what is it in Hebrew?
0: In Hebrew, there's the word rotse. Rotzeh means to will, It could also mean to desire, it's it's related to the word run, because when you will something or you desire something, you kind of psychologically are running towards it, okay? The English word want connotes desire, right? I want this, I want that, I don't want this, I don't want that. However, the word want actually derives from the word for lack. So in old, I don't literally mean old, old English from like before Shakespeare, old English, but in the older use of English, and sometimes you still hear this, some people still use this in certain kinds of writing, um, someone has been found wanting. What does that mean? They're lacking, right? So the English word want initially meant a lack, meaning you don't have what you should have. And then when you don't have what you should have, usually desire that thing, right? And so then it got extended to meaning the word desire. There is no word like that in Hebrew. There is no word that connotes lacking, which leads to desire. There's a word for willing and desire, there's a word for lacking, but there's no word that connotes the, you know, implicit relationship between the two. So the Rebbe said it's very important to sing We Want Mashiach Now in English, because when you say We Want Mashiach Now, what are you implying? Not just desire, but you're also lacking, which means it's something that ought to be. If you say, so, okay, you, you might have a will for sheikh, but that doesn't necessarily imply the lacking, the absence, the void. Okay. So when you say, does God want something, <laughs> what do you mean by want? Do you mean want as opposed to need in the economic sense? Well, then that's meaningless because God doesn't expend resources. Do you mean want in the sense of it's meaningful, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, it's contingent? Well, then yes. Do you mean in the sense that a desire that stems from filling a lack? Then no. And so this is the problem is You really have to be very careful By what you mean by the concept
1: Can you use the word WhatsApp?
0: For Yeah, that actually is a, For God is a much better word Because it just implies In fact, the Hebrew word Rotseh Means this When you Your attitude is that Something is both meaningful But is contingent Then we say that it is that, that you That you That you Have a Rotson for it Or or, or such a thing is called rutsomi, the fancy English that says voluntary. It is both meaningful and contingent. It is not necessary. I could or could not, but it's not arbitrary. It's meaningful. And when you you stand in such a relationship with some action, with some outcome, then we say you have a rutsom for it, that you have a, that you, that you said. And therefore we speak about God having a rutsom. Okay. Then the interesting question is, is there anything more we can say about this? But that's the starting point, is that God causes, and what he causes, he doesn't necessarily have to cause. He could not cause. But what is caused is at least in some sense meaningful. It's not completely arbitrary. And if that's the case, the appropriate word borrowed from the, English, from, from the Hebrew um, the, that captures this notion... In, in, the, in, the, in, in human beings is ratzon which is usually translated as will or desire you know, in more modern English, wanting. But there are other meanings to even the Hebrew word and especially to the English words that are not applicable to God, such as meeting a lack or the decision about, whether, about, about you know, resources expenditure. Yeah.
2: Um, the fact that Mashiach isn't here yet is not a lack to God.
0: We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Because you'll notice at the end of the, When I start talking about Whether Hashem can lack I kept saying superficially or on the surface Because when you analyze this a bit further It gets more complicated Okay So Okay So For right now We just want to know that there is a There is a kind of thing where Something causes something or brings something about In this case God brings stuff about He brings things about in a way that those things are, at least in some sense, meaningful, but it is not required. It is not that he could could just as easily not bring them about. And the closest analogy to that kind of a thing we have in our own experience is called our will or our desire or our wanting, if you want that word. And therefore we can use that word as long as we're clear that we mean it in a very limited sense and we should not um, haphazardly just project every part of human psychology back onto God. Tomorrow we're going to take this and go into greater detail.